Welcome to Finding My Yum, a sex-positive podcast celebrating all forms of sexual expression. Each week, we bring on a new guest to share their journey. We talk honestly and openly about what they're into and what sex, kinks, love, and more look like in the real world. I'm Jerry Courtney Austin. And I'm Will Lentz. And we are your hosts. Today, we are joined by Hope Codman to talk all about Dynamo Toys, uh, which is a sex-positive sex toy shop in New Orleans. Uh, she's delightful and a, a childhood friend of yours, Will, right? Yeah. 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 Hope's one of my favorite people from Paducah, probably. Uh, but yeah, she's a delight, and I always say she's living her best life. She is always very theatric and very interested in different things and now she lives in new orleans and opened this sex shop and gives ghost tours and every time i go there i try to run into her and it's uh it's always a delight she's super fun yeah um yeah she was oh my gosh she was so much fun to talk to she's just such like a kind person i could tell and so animated um we do hope that the store and all of new orleans is is stay is safe uh we see that the hurricane is about to touch down or maybe is touching down or hopefully will pass um but we're we're sending good vibes and um yeah safe safe vibes for you guys and we're thinking about you um also, just as a, a, a side note, we wanted to touch back on the lineage campaign that we had talked about uh, with Michelle West, who we brought on, the film that I'm producing. We got fully funded. I'm so unbelievably excited. Thank you. Yes, it yeah, is. Congratulations. Um, thank you so much. Uh, what a freaking journey. Um, we got, yeah, we were looking for 35000 and we ended up getting 38000 which is just like mind-blowing. Uh, people's generosity and will, you contributed as well, and I'm so grateful to you. Um, but yeah, the, just the support was overwhelming, and I, I, I think it's cool to be doing something that resonated and that's so um, important right now. Yeah, one of the things that Hope mentions on this episode was when she was, you know, graduating in the midst of a recession and a lot of people felt the need to kind of create their own jobs. And I don't think we're quite there yet right now, although who knows where we'll be in the next six months. But it does feel like there's a lot of that energy right now, too, where people are finding that the old methods of making things happen uh, mm-hmm. are no longer reliable. And so you see stuff like lineage where people are like, well, you know, I have this idea. I think it will resonate with people. Let's see if we can get that kind of support and let's just yeah. make it. And I think it's very exciting what you guys are doing. Thanks. Yeah, I love that. Um, and, and, you know, I think female stories are are due to be told and, and lineage is one of them. And Hope Story is also one of them. Um, and and it's, yeah, it's awesome hearing about her journey, about opening this toy shop and um, and, and just like her own journey within it is, is fun. So I think you guys are going to enjoy um wholeheartedly this is the second episode that we've done about a toy shop and they're very different in their approaches and experiences so uh yeah without further ado enjoy yay welcome to finding my yum i'm so excited today we have hope codman here uh from dynamo toys in new orleans she is the co-founder and co-creator of dynamo toys and and a friend of will's our our like extraordinaire producer so thank you so much for being here thank you so much for having me yeah i'm so excited how do you and will know each other we have known each other since like second and third grade gifted and talented class for those kids (laughs) um yeah we grew up together basically he's a year younger than i am um but we were on like 
academic team together and like his mom ran the you know like future problem solving i don't know if that's personal he can cut it out if that's like oh, it's too much information <laughs> about his his mom but we got pretty uh, in depth about him so pretty. i think that that's okay yeah <laughs> no um but no we've we've just known each other forever like since we were Funny. very tiny yeah. Well, awesome. Um, I'm always excited. You know, we uh, it's 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 so much fun to have people that have connections to each of us or like we've grown up yeah. with and then come full circle to now talking about, you know, all of these amazing sex and and, and gender and all these Absolutely. awesome journey questions. Um, cool. Well, I'd love to start with our so are you from Kentucky originally yeah. then? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what brought you out to New Orleans? I uh, grew up in Kentucky. I lived, you know, all of my, my childhood through college years in Kentucky, but I had family in Louisiana. Um, a good chunk of my cousins uh, lived in like the bayou outside of New Orleans. Nice. And then one of my aunts lived in the city. And so I grew up just fascinated with it. Um, you know, I love history. I love creepy stuff. I love dressing up in costumes all the time. Um, so it was a really good fit. And um, when I graduated, I graduated college in 08. And that was like right into the recession. So yeah. there was not a lot of work um, in my hometown, let alone in the state. And so I was thinking, well, you know, I'll, I'll move to a new city. I'll try something out and see if I can, you know, make something happen there. And I've been in New Orleans since 2009 and I don't have any plans to leave. Amazing. And so I'm curious, be you know, from what I understand of the Appalachian region and even, you know, Kentucky, did you grow up religious or was there any kind of more conservative mentality that you were sure. brought up in? Yeah, so the part of Kentucky that Will and I are from is is not Appalachia. So we're from the oh. like the almost Illinois side. Uh, we're from the, we're from the flat side. Okay, uh, <laughs> but it definitely was conservative. Um, I grew up religious for sure, but not uh, not evangelically. So um, I count myself okay. very very lucky actually in that. Uh, the church I grew up in and the family I grew up in um, was very open-minded. Um, okay. We were not a particularly conservative dom- uh, denomination. So, you know, it was like, Jesus loves you. You're fine. Go ahead. Uh, okay. <laughs> this was not what most of my friends had and yeah. certainly not what most of my community had. So I think that, um, and we can get into this more, while I definitely had a lack of sex education, especially any formal sex education, like in school. Um, I also didn't have, you know, a family that was going to, you know, be super, you know, on my back about dating or kissing boys or, or kissing girls or whatever. Um, that oh. was, that was, you know, it was going to be okay. Um, but most of the community did not have that for sure. Right. And so then, um, yeah, I appreciate you sharing all that. Was mm-hmm. what was the prevalent idea of sex and sexuality that you had then growing up if there was mm-hmm. no official sex education? I know Will says that he got it from like a VH1 dating show. Amazing. <laughs> that was yeah, like his no. impression. What was the I feel like MTV Real Sex that came on. So oh. it's funny because I was I was a very good girl. Um I think partially oh, because <laughs> I didn't have a lot of like my parents were like, you know, okay, you're 16. If you're going to go out and drink, like have one beer an hour so you don't get sloppy and so you stay safe. You know, like they were That's like a, very you have pretty cool parents. Cool parents. <laughs> but as a result, I was like, I'll never drink. I'm good. And so I just like didn't rebel at all, at all. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely didn't have a lot of um, 
well, any formal sex ed, I did get a book uh, from my parents when I turned like 13 that was just like, okay, menstruation and, you know, like you're going to need to probably wear it wear deodorant and you know this is puberty um and then it it did talk about like the mechanics of sex which I really had not given any thought to until the time I was just like oh that's interesting information okay good to know um yeah so it is weird I remember getting an anatomical sex education and then Mm -hmm. I didn't conceptually understand like where body yeah. parts went and what the, what it even looked like. Like until yeah. I read this like teen novel where <laughs> I remember them describing it as being like very quiet and <laughs> kind of awkward, you know, and I was like, but that's not how it's supposed to happen. And like, you know, it was very mind blowing to me that there are a, a wide variety of experiences that yeah. you could have. Yeah. No, I and I now that you mention it, so I just thought about this for the first time in a long time. When I was I that. little, little, like four, you know, I was like, where do babies come from? And my parents gave me not any of the mechanics, but they did say that, um, like, the, the fetus starts as an egg. And for some reason, even told me the technical detail that, like, folks with vaginas have all the eggs they're ever going to have from birth. And so I was like, I have eggs inside me right now. And (laughs) like thought about that periodically from like a child on, but I didn't know anything about sex. I didn't understand like anything, but like the cellular level. Yeah. Um, Interesting those nuggets we grab Mm -hmm. onto as kids and we're like, this is important. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's Uh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so then when you moved to New Orleans, mm-hmm. what did you want to do? Did you like did did opening opening a sex toy shop even enter your mind or was that not something that was there for quite a while? Not initially. Um, I don't know. I don't know what my plan was. Um, I have a, a I had a double major. So I studied anthropology and theater and okay. I loved both. And for a long time, I wanted to be a performer. I wanted to be an actress. Um, but didn't really want to move to New York or LA, so I don't know how that was going to happen. Um, <laughs> but I thought, okay, well, I'll move to New Orleans and maybe I'll like host burlesque. You know, I, I want to perform somehow. And I did wow, host amazing. burlesque for a little bit. Um, fun. Did you perform too? Um, I can't dance. I'm a really, <laughs> like, people say they can't dance. I cannot dance. Okay. Um, but I can sing and tell jokes. So that's what oh, I did. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah. So, and that was a lot of fun. But I realized more and more that I had always, you know, from, from college on, I was a little bit shyer to talk about this stuff in, you know, teenhood, but from college on, especially with the anthropology classes, I was super interested in just human behavior, culture, subculture, the way we talk about sex, the way we talk about kink. Um, And I realized that people loved having those conversations when you gave them an opportunity to, and, you know, opened up the discussion. Like as soon as you were like, I heard this sexual fact, people were like, what? No. And that was so much fun for me to just have those conversations. And it gave me more joy than lots of other things. And so I was trying to figure out how to make that into some kind of career. Again, graduating into the recession, it felt like you almost had to make up your own job because no one was going to give you a job. Um, but I started to catch on to the fact that around the country and a lot of, you know, more major cities, there was this movement to create sex positive sex shops. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times they were owned by um, women, owned by queer folks. Um, They were educational resources as well as 
just retail businesses. Mm -hmm. And that seemed like so much fun. Uh, I realized that there wasn't such a business yet in the city of New Orleans, which honestly surprised me. That is surprising um, to me too. Yeah. yeah. And so I thought I'll just try it and, you know, someone might open one before me, but in the meantime, I'm going to have a lot of fun. And that's what I did. It was a long, it was a long road. Um, sex shops can't get traditional loans. Um, so the SBA will not give you a loan um, for anything related to sex. Uh, and so funding was basically, you know, a few hundred dollars from my grandma, um, you know, a few thousand dollars that I got um, from when my, my other grandma passed away, sadly. Uh, but it really was minimal. It was enough to buy, you know, a little bit of inventory. And I did pop-ups at burlesque shows and other kind of sexy events, spoken word poetry readings. There's a um, group called Esso Terotica that does oh. uh, sexy uh, readings and poetry uh, in New Orleans. They've been going for years. And cool. so it just pop up with a table of, you know, the few toys that I had and, you know, sell what I could. And I might make, you know, a couple hundred dollars in a month. Um, eventually I uh, met my now business partner and she had come from a, another progressive sex shop that was already in existence called The Tool Shed in Milwaukee, oh, cool. which is still there. It's fantastic. It's a really good resource. Uh, and she had the same idea. So we joined forces and eventually got the shop that we have today. But it took, I started in 2013. Uh, we didn't get a proper brick and mortar opened, you know, all ready to go, all the paperwork signed until late 2017. So it was oh, a journey. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And so when you started with your with your pop-up shops, mm -hmm. you know, was there was there any discussion or moment of, you know, the the path you were taking and and what was the response from family members? I mean, it sounds like they were pretty open. Um, yeah. But was it relatively positive that this was like the choice that you were making? Yeah, for the most part. Um, I think, I mean, nobody really had any complaints, you know. Okay, um, I love that. My mom was like, okay, cool. Um, you know, my my dad passed away before I moved to New Orleans, but I think he would have been proud of his daughter going into uh, to a business and, and making it for herself. Sure. Um, certainly my, my grandmother was supportive. She thought it was a hoot. Um, some of my like more distant relatives, you know, had questions and, but they didn't ask me, they asked my mom. Sure. Um, <laughs> but you know, even some of those folks have now like come into the store and like bought stuff for themselves. So I'm like, okay, well, there you go. Yeah. And then how did you start to decide what inventory you wanted to carry or get familiar with, with the products? Because, I mean, there's so much there's on so much. the market that you could potentially carry. And so I imagine if you only have a certain amount of funds and you're, you're starting small, like what was that process like? Sure. So the, the main um, curation that we do, and it's still what we do today, um, is that we always wanted to be a sex shop that only sold – um, toys made of body safe materials uh, that were vetted, um, that were known to be safe, known to be non-toxic. And personally, I also didn't want to sell anything that just had a bad reputation or, or wouldn't work well, even if it was made of good materials. So there's no oversight in uh, the, the chemicals, the materials that go into sex toys. Um, believe it or not, no politician wants to talk uh, sex toy regulation and, and try to, you know, maybe uh, create a little bit more care for the things that we put into our um, most sensitive orifices. Yeah. So 
there are chemicals that you can find in some sex toys that are banned in children's toys and in some areas even banned in dog toys because they are considered to be toxic. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's different ways that companies will get around this, you know, if, if you notice, and this is not always true. Sometimes it's just about import laws. If we want to get really nerdy about the, the sure. business. Uh, <laughs> But you know, they can say, oh, this is a novelty only. This isn't meant to go in your body. It's fine. And then obviously you are supposed to use it. Um, the main chemical that you always hear about as, as a culprit is a group of plastic softeners called phthalates. Um, phthalates are used in all kinds of products. And you know, it's not necessarily, I mean, they're all around us, but we're not putting all of these things inside our bodies. And we're not putting all of these things, you know, touching our mucous membranes. So phthalates are plastic softeners. The classic example that I'll give is when you get a new shower liner, like behind your shower curtain oh, okay. and you open it and it's squishy, it's soft plastic and it stinks. So that is phthalates off gassing from that oh. material. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I know exactly yeah. what that is. Yep. So again, if you're, you know, if you're breathing it all the time, I certainly wouldn't want to work in a factory that made them, but you know, the incidental contact we might have, okay, give or take your, your level of comfort, but you certainly don't want to put anything um, containing these kinds of chemicals inside your body regularly. Sure. Um, okay. They do off gas, they'll break down. Um, people used to talk about, you know, horror stories of their, their, you know, vibrator melting in their drawer or like merging oh together with another vibrator, like the Becoming thing. like a blob yeah. of vibrators. Yeah. So it's, it's unstable chemicals. Basically they can be hormone disruptors. Um, it's just not what you want and it's not going to mm -hmm. last, you know, they're stinky. Uh, they break down and you really don't want that oily film anywhere near your biz. So right. we only sell toys that are made of medical or food grade materials. Uh, and the classic examples would be 100% silicone. So silicone of the grade to use, again, in a doctor's office or kitchen. Um, glass, uh, borosilicate, like Pyrex style glass. Um, stainless steel is fine. Um, ABS plastic is fine. Um, the other thing that we watch out for is porosity. So we don't want our sex mm. toys to be full of microscopic holes that can hold bacteria. So right. anything that's going to be inserted into someone's body, we want to make sure that that is not porous. Now there's sexy things that are just going to be porous no matter what. If you have a leather flogger, leather is skin, it's going to be porous. But as far as insertables go, vibrators, dildos, um, Kegel balls, we want those things to be non-porous. What is a Kegel ball? Oh, so Kegel balls. Do you know? Do you know about doing your Kegels? Yeah, it's like yeah. raising the what vaginal floor, pelvic floor. The pelvic floor. The yeah, pelvic yeah. Floor. There we go. So I'm gonna be a show off. It's your pubic coccygeus muscles. Ooh, uh, I just like saying that. Just it. rolls off the tongue. I just. It's a fun. I don't. <laughs> might be sexy. It's. I like. To I be feel a... like said correctly. Like said three <laughs> times. Like something good has to happen. <laughs> like Beetlejuice shows up, which maybe pelvic isn't floor good, just it... comes up into your <laughs> half. And is like yeah. Are you exercising me. Like, we are here. <laughs> <laughs> it's showtime. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So when you do your your kegels, your your pelvic floor exercises, you are um, contract and release okay. uh, the pelvic mm -hmm. floor muscles. Um, it's the same muscles that start and stop the flow of pee. And okay. it's the same muscles that contract when you have an orgasm. Um, so having a stronger, healthier pelvic floor and folks of all genders and all, you know, sexual configurations can tone their PC muscles. But traditionally, we think about doing it for folks with vaginas. Um, right. It can help you to have stronger orgasms because those muscles that contract when you come are um, better toned. 
Um, it can help people who deliver babies vaginally to heal faster afterwards. And um, it can help prevent incontinence as we age. So we don't pee when we sneeze. Um, but Kegel balls are basically, you know, small, um, uh, usually, you know, ball or egg shaped uh, devices that you put inside the vagina and you can do Kegels around them, uh, sort of like oh. resistance, like you might use a little barbell uh, oh, okay. instead of just raising or lifting your arm. Uh, you can also use them just as you go about your day to help tone uh, that vaginal, uh, that pelvic floor. Like just keep them inserted. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you might just like go to the store and, you know, run your errands and then you're you're working out at the same time. That's so funny. I love yeah. the idea that like there, there's just all these vagina having people walking around with these little eggs in there. They might be. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's I funny. Always, I, it, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. No, go. Please. Oh, no. I was going to say it's uh, it's funny because anytime I mention Kegels, like in a class or something like that, or maybe for your listeners, every time I mention it, I'm like, y'all are all doing them now. I know oh, it. yeah. I'm immediately like, doing me it. Me too. <laughs> I think it's so – I this is, this is such a tangent, but I just think it's really funny because like none of us know – like on the outside, right, we all present whatever we want mm-hmm. to or we can but yeah. like nobody knows what's going on the inside and I feel like every time I wear a pad <laughs> during my period and I'm talking to somebody and I'm just like bleeding into my <laughs> you know into my underwear I'm like this is so bizarre you have no idea what is happening yeah. underneath you know like my my shorts or my pants or my skirt but like it's just happening and yep. we're having a normal conversation yep secretly you're metal as hell turns <laughs> yeah. out yeah, exactly. Um, awesome. Well, so and then what was the process? So we've had one other. We had feel more. Um, oh yeah, adult, okay, cool. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is a, an amazing. God, they are such an amazing and inspiration, inspira- inspiring person as well. Um, that's making moves in San Francisco on the West Coast. Yeah. And one of the big things that they talked about was you know you mentioned getting alone and Mm -hmm. even like how you can't do it for any kind of sex related anything but even getting a space and having permission to operate within Mm -hmm. a city within the regulations and so I'm wondering I view New Orleans as more progressive in my head just based on like what I know and and I haven't been there honestly it's like number one I know it's number one on my list come on down (laughs) yeah um and so I'm wondering what was that process like was it was it easier or you know I don't know what was yeah what was the process it was a different set of challenges um as far as the fact that it's a sex shop um it's funny because with almost anyone I talked to whether they were city bureaucrats um people selling us insurance people handling our payment processing the first person you talk to in my experience is real chill and they're like, oh, that's so cool. You own like an educational sex shop. That's awesome. Okay, cool. Let's see what I can do. I'll call you back. And then invariably the next day they'd call back and they'd be like, the underwriter said no. Like, you know, we, right. we just have fine print. We can't do it. Um, it was a bear to even get business insurance um, because they simply would not touch sex related businesses. Um, I, we did eventually that- get insurance. We, we went with a local company, which actually I am glad that we did. That's what I would have preferred anyway, but it took some doing. It, what what's the conversation with that because I guess they don't have to ensure obviously anyone that they don't want to but like mm-hmm. what's the main concern it's not like th- there's like super high risk from what I understand but maybe I mean I'm not thinking about it certainly not with my business um <laughs> but at least if I do say so myself yeah um but I think and I don't know if this is true for for this specific case but I did hear that um 
chargebacks were an issue for people that were embarrassed or their partner saw the charge on their, you know, credit card statement, got on them and they were like, oh, that wasn't me. And then goes and charges it back. Um, I think especially this would happen on um, like phone sex lines back in the 90s. Uh, And so I think they just made sort of a blanket, uh, uh, you know, boilerplate in their rules that you know, a lot of them would restrict it. I'm not, I don't quote me on that. I'm sure. not sure, yeah, no, that's but I seem to recall that it's, it's something about chargebacks that, uh, whether that's actually a real risk or really a risk anymore, I don't know. Um, but I think that may be where it came from. Um, yeah. and again, kind of a like eighties and nineties thing. We have so many antiquated ideas that are just prevalent now, like yeah. prevalent now in, in mm-hmm. today's society. So that wouldn't surprise me if it's not right. even valid anymore, right? And it's yeah, I mean, it might not even be a concern and they yeah. just have it, you know, from, from back in the day. Yeah. yeah. And so then securing a space, yes. was that equally as challenging? That as- was a challenge. Um, and partially because of what we were. So uh, any kind of shop that that relates to sex um you know you need to be a certain distance from a school a certain distance from many right. churches i think that's probably standard anywhere um mm-hmm. and it was also just that you know finding commercial space anywhere but especially in a major city you know like new orleans i think it's pretty major uh it's expensive it you know yeah. it was really difficult to find a spot that we could afford um okay. because we weren't taking profit you know, both of us were working other jobs and continued to work other jobs. I still am also a tour guide uh, to make sure that our bills were being paid no matter how the business did. And most of our money was going back into the business. So we really couldn't afford, you know, the thousands of dollars of rent that a lot of these places wanted to charge. Uh, We eventually lucked into a space that was owned by a friend. Um, He actually lives above the shop. And uh, yeah, he had a multi-use space, so his, his or mixed-use uh, building. Uh, and so we were like, okay, yes, we got in there, you know, we got started, and then realized that we needed to do about $12,000 worth of renovation to make it legal as a commercial business. Okay. Because the wow. commercial guidelines had changed, sure. like, in the intervening time. So we did an Indiegogo, uh, because, again, no oh, loans cool. for sex right. shops. Uh, we weren't able to raise all of the money, but with Indiegogo, you get, um, you know, you get to keep whatever you raise. It's not like right. Kickstarter where they cut you off. So uh, we got two thirds of it. Um, took about a year doing the work, but it our business is now very fireproof. Uh, oh. And you know, <laughs> amazing. Completely in keeping with all of the city guidelines, and we're accessible now. Uh, we have a wheelchair ramp, which is very necessary very cool. in New Orleans, where all the businesses are raised. So it was it was good in the long run, but it was a lot of bureaucracy. It was a lot of paperwork. It was a lot of chasing people down to to get answers. Yeah, um, and I suppose that's true for any business, but it definitely felt like this this righteous challenge that we were going to yeah. accomplish. Yeah. And I want to get back to what we're talking about, but I am curious. I know that Louisiana and particularly New Orleans has been hit so much by weather and Mm -hmm. even recently. And so um, are are you guys okay? Like, was it a problem to get even insurance in terms of that? I don't know if they have insurance. Um, We're okay. I mean, with the storms this year, knocking on wood, um, New Orleans is fine so far. Uh, So most of those storms have hit west of us, like the Lake Charles area. And certainly we're, we're feeling from them and we're sending them love and, you know, and a lot, it, it's a really nice, just as an offshoot, a lot of folks in New Orleans, a lot of my friends, you know, were getting money together, getting donations yeah. together because it happens to us too. You know, we want to help 
help our neighbors and, and take care of each other. Um, luckily, the, the area that Dynamo is in is considered high ground for the city. Now, high oh, ground for okay. New Orleans <laughs> might be that we're at sea level. Right, not. sure, sure. Um, but it's also a raised building. It's three feet off the ground. So we do have flood insurance. Um, it's just the standard. It's uh, federal rates set flood insurance. So it. it's just a yearly you know, payment that we make, but it's something that you have to have when you're doing business or living at all in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would imagine it's something that's definitely in the back of your mind quite yeah. often. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, awesome. I was curious about, you were talking about um, chargebacks and, and insurance being concerned. And mm -hmm. in when I was speaking to Fillmore, they talked specifically about how they were having a problem with PayPal and like yeah. certain, uh, yeah. Have you encountered any issues with any of the companies that you've used about like what products you can sell and like wh wh whether they're censoring it or are having some kind of input? Uh, so far, so good. I'm going to knock on wood again. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> hoping that none of our payment processors uh, decide to switch that up on us. Um, yeah. But we we haven't so far. Nor or Dynamo is still a a fairly small concern. We're not like a national chain. We're right. not like a big corporate business. So. You know, I assume that right around the time we really start to do well, they'll come and hit us and say, you can't do that. Uh, but for now, I think we're we're OK. Yeah. All these regulations. I know you talked about a big component being this sexual. Good Lord sexual education and you know a, a permissive environment where people can can talk and and be open and mm -hmm. get information and so I, I'd love to talk a little bit about that and what your focus is and, yeah. and what you offer and also if if there is some aspect where you're trying to push the needle forward of just like mm -hmm having loans be available to these type of enterprises, you know, sure. or like any kind of legislation that allows for people in the sex industry, sex mm -hmm. workers, et cetera, yeah. to have access to these um, benefits yeah. that, that exist for everybody yeah. else. I mean, I think part of how we're hoping to do that um, is really just being open and present in the community and really putting yourselves out there. Um, Obviously, right now with the pandemic, it's harder sure. to be in person places, but we've held events, um, you know, from the beginning and now we have them in our own space, but we used to do a event called uh, Adult Sex Ed, which was oh, like cool. a Q&A. We would take anonymous questions from the audience, kind of like the, the MTV Sex, you know, call-in oh, show. Awesome. <laughs> um, we would also do a coloring contest, but, uh, you know, we would do that every month at a bar. We still... Uh, whether in person or now with Zoom, do uh, speaking engagements with Tulane. Um, oh, cool. The local university here in New yeah. Orleans, uh, one of them. Um, so, you know, we try to be out there in the community as much as we possibly can and really show our face and, and be proud of what we do because we are yeah. proud of it and show that sexuality is just another part of life. It's something that can give us a lot of pleasure, a lot of joy, a lot of connection, um, and that there's nothing wrong or shameful about it. Uh, and there's also nothing wrong or shameful with wanting to learn more. You know, New Orleans is, a, a, especially for the South, um, very permissive, you know, very funny and open and tongue in cheek about a lot of things. But there's still not necessarily all the education and all the information that people could have. And, sure. you know, people can be as as open 
you know, as they want to be. But if you've never been given the tools to know your anatomy, uh, you know, know more about uh, gender, know more about consent, if no one's ever talked to you about it or given you the opportunity to talk to you about it, um, there's still more to learn. And I'm still learning things every day. I am not, you know, Man, I don't too. call myself yeah. like a sex expert because there's still so much that I can learn. Um, so I hope that just by being a presence in the community, also, you know, I, I have a lot of privilege. I am a, a you know, white lady. Um, I look like just a cute little Southern Mary Poppins. I am non-threatening. Uh, so I think it's important for me to use that to, I guess, make way for folks in as much yeah. as I can and open doors for more and more people if that's possible. And I think it is. Yeah, um, I love that. And in terms of your own journey with sexuality and exploration and and how this has fostered you and your personal life, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit about what that has looked like and how sure. if that has manifested in, in any particular way. Well, I think, you know, growing up, I, I wasn't shy. I was never shy. I was a big performer kid, but I didn't yeah. have confidence. I had bravado, but I didn't have confidence. Totally. Um, and I think I missed out on a lot in my younger years because I thought, well, that's not for me. You know, I don't fit this body type mm -hmm. that I see, you know, I don't fit this, um, you know, style of, of hanging out. I can't dance. Uh, and, and so I would sort of cut myself off from, from relationships or, um, you know, new experiences, especially when it came to sex, because I just didn't think that was for me. I didn't think that I was worth it. And a big part of, you know, becoming, I hope, part of the sex positive community is that sex and pleasure really are for everybody. And, you know, we get these messages, whether it's socially, from the media, from the, from religion, I don't want to say just the church, just, you know, whatever, sure. um, yeah. or, or philosophy, whatever, you know, cultural, um, voices that you hear that often want to control us and the tenets of sex positivity really are that you know any sex any any um pleasure is valid as long as it is consensual 100 percent right. consensual um and isn't harming anybody uh and other than that you know the sky's the limit i think it's helped me to be more um encouraging of myself and mm -hmm. uh given me the opportunity to learn about things that I didn't even know were possible yeah. um, and giving myself permission to explore them. Um, and also to understand that I don't have to do everything either. That's another thing that I think people get um, caught up with when they say like, I want to be sex positive. I want to be open. You know, I don't want to do X, Y, Z, but I probably should because I'm sex positive. It's like, no, you don't have to do anything. You know, right. it's, it's what feels good and feels right for you and what feels good and feels right for the people that you're with. Um, okay. But they, they don't control you either. So yeah. um, well, I just being gentler with myself. Yeah, I love that. I mean, the, the reason that the podcast is called Finding My Yum came mm -hmm. from the phrase, don't yuck someone else's yeah. yum, right? Like mm -hmm. that you can celebrate what somebody else is into, even if it doesn't quite work Absolutely. for you or like jive for you. And I think the other wonderful thing about opening personally for me, opening up this dialogue and exploring, like exploding the world, right? Mm -hmm. To explore within pleasure and sexuality yeah. is that I can examine like, okay, do I not want to try this because I have an idea about it? I have an idea about how I am 
how my body's supposed to be, how I'm supposed to operate within this constricted viewpoint of of sex and and relationships? Or is it something that really to my core doesn't feel good and I I just don't want to do it, you know? And and deciphering between those instead of making these snap judgments that Mm -hmm. really divide people and cause for a lot of judgment and fear and then, you know, consequences that we are seeing now and for the last hundreds of thousands of years, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Um, Well, this has been amazing. My last like silly question is that it is it is Halloween. It is scary and spooky season. (laughs) And I'm curious if there are any fun new things that you guys are featuring right now to maybe like bring in a little bit of the Halloween spirit, especially since we can't go outside um, or go to any mazes. If there's like (laughs) some spooky bedroom um, little gems. Goodness. So I don't, so again, New Orleans, one of the reasons I live here, it's a big costume town. It's a big theme party town. You know, you go out and you see somebody wearing like a chicken suit that's also bondage gear. And you're like, Brad, where'd you get that? And they're like, I made it myself. You know, it's just, it's super, that's how we live. Um, I love that. And but, that was so specific. I feel like that definitely happened like yesterday. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but with I know we want to be evergreen, but it's, it's Corona time right now. Uh, so we're not able to gather and, and show off our sexy selves and our, our costumes, um, in the way that we normally would. So I personally have not stocked a ton of, you know, public scene setting because it would just make me sad. Um, (laughs) we do have, so we always carry as far as, um, that's not, it doesn't have to be spooky. Uh, yeah. but we, we always do have, you know, uh, leather that's on the wickeder side. Um, yeah. we carry a lot of local, um, makers and local artists work. Oh, cool. So there's a really awesome, um, leather company. It's run by two queer femmes called Talisman Leather. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they make most of the leather in the shop. They're actually in a, in more and more sex positive shops now, but they kind of came up with us at the same time in New Orleans. Cool. So we'll always carry them. Really beautiful. Everything they have is named after different like Greek goddesses. Oh, uh, cool. But like the the offshoot ones, um, you know, not the <laughs> not the ones you think of immediately. Um, so, you know, we'll always have, you know, some sort of fierce and drippy apparel. I do <laughs> um, Instagram stories. I don't, I mainly focus on Instagram for our social media. And yeah. one of the things that I do is post a story every weekend. And it's it's either talking about a product or it's talking about anatomy or it's talking about sex history. I always try to do something different. I love and that. I think for this October, I'm going to make up a Halloween horror host character. Fun. Um, oh my I'm God. going to be Elvira, Mistress of the Nightstand. Yeah. And <laughs> talk about probably the... <laughs> vibrators we'll see if I change my mind but um so we'll we'll get the Halloween spirit in there for sure I love that um well this has been awesome how can people find you and find the store because people can order from anywhere they can order online um if they live in New Orleans we do next day local delivery through the pandemic you know pretty much till we have a vaccine we'll do this um but we're at dynamotoys.com and uh, our Instagram is at dynamonola so um, we love to hear from folks. We're very responsive. Um, we love to share information um, and help you out. Uh, you know, be respectful. But other than that, you know, we're very open. Um, and, uh, you know, the whole reason I got into this was to talk about sex with people. So we'd love Let's to hear talk. from anyone who wants to, <laughs> to reach out. 
Amazing. Um, well, you've been absolutely lovely. I'm so excited that we thank got to you. connect. Yeah, yeah this thank has you. been coming for so long. So thank you so much. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Boy, oh boy. Oh boy, oh boy. I like that. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Every so often. <laughs> um, Hope, thank you so much for coming on. Please support her shop. Um, you can order it from all over. Like she said, they deliver nationally and um, their toys are top quality. So um, get yourself some fun as uh, I think we're all about to head back into quarantine. So yeah, now's yeah. the time to do it. Now is the time to do it. Uh, as always, please follow us on social media at Finding My Yum Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Um, we're posting behind the scenes. Join our community. We go quotes and slide into those DMs. You can email us at findingmyyum at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you consume your podcasts. Um, and take your favorite one and share it with how many this time, Jerry? I'm going to go lower just so you can have like a more intimate connection and conversation. So Always 46. Good. So share it with 46 friends. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Yeah, we look forward to hearing from you. Um, we're always taking suggestions for upcoming guests, and we've got so much exciting content I'm excited to share. Uh, we'll see you next week. Stay yummy. Or actually, next week is the election, so uh, buckle down, get your votes in, and please, please, for the love of God, let's change this administration, and we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> okay, bye!